smile. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for another day. Thank you for another opportunity to praise your name, to be together, to, to fellowship, uh, to, <clears throat> to recognize that you are indeed the great I am, to, uh, that you have uh, brought us, that you have paid the price, that uh, you have made it so that we're able to come. And, and to, uh, to worship you today, to even come boldly before the throne of God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Open our hearts to your word today. Even as I question the, the, the way that, uh, this is, that I've decided to present this, I trust that your Holy Spirit can guide us and, and can teach uh, all of us through your holy word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. <clears throat> Excuse me. Out of just not saying. <clears throat> if you ask some, if you just, if you ask somebody who is God, uh, the, the Christian, of course, will have a ready answer for that. He's our heavenly Father. He's the Creator of the universe. He's He's our Savior. He's the all-powerful, all-knowing, omnipresent being, somebody that's everywhere at once. We have all these ways in which we would describe him because we know who he is. A pagan or a, a polytheist might ask you, well, which God? Who are you talking about? Somebody with, a, with an Eastern or mystic background uh, might describe God as being this impersonal force, or, or the Buddhist uh, might say that he's in all of us, uh, that uh, some cults are actually teaching much the same thing, because he's, he's in everything and he's everywhere, they say. He is everywhere, and, and they've, they've missed. They're, the error there is that they've taken away his personality. And, of course, the atheist will say that he doesn't exist at all, thereby, thereby leaving man as God. We see how well that's worked. But let's narrow it down a little bit. What if we ask, who is Jesus? Again, to a Christian... We would say that he's the Son of God. He's the Word made flesh. He's the King of kings and Lord of lords. He's the image of the great I Am. God come to dwell among us. And the one who paid for our sins. But to the unbeliever, he's... Maybe a, maybe a historical figure. Some other religions will countenance him as, as a prophet. False religions will maybe allow him to be a secondary God, but not the God. Anything except the God. The world 
is still seeking him today. Now some, because he's drawing them to himself through the Holy Spirit. But many others, because they're still after him, as they are in the passage that we're going to look at today, they're still after him, driven by the God of this world who still wants to destroy his work. They don't believe in him, and they reject everything that he taught, or at least the root of it. He's not here, but his followers remain. And so the persecution rises. And we've seen it, we see it around the world. It was happening then, it still happens today. We've been spared much of it. I don't know how much longer that's going to last. But in the passage that we're looking at today, we are continuing our study in John and Jesus is about to be betrayed. The mob comes out to uh, arrest him. They've got their, their torches and their weapons. And then he asks them a question. And he already knows the answer. But he asks the question, whom do you seek? Now some of them think that they're just they're looking for this man. They're, they've been given a name. They're looking for Jesus of Nazareth. Well, they found him, but he is much more than a man. He is the great I am. And yet, he is about to allow himself to be taken. We sing these songs about how he gave himself up for us. And this was the plan from the beginning, from the foundation of the earth. As we delve back into our, our passage today, the last Passover has been celebrated. The, uh, Jesus has shared his heart with his disciples, and he has prayed this beautiful prayer that we just got through looking at, in which his primary call over and over again was that we would be one with each other and with Him. And so Jesus now goes willingly to the next phase of His plan, which still at this point no one has seen coming. And you can see that by the response of His, of his, of his followers. So starting in John chapter 18, I didn't practice, so hopefully I won't butcher this too bad. When Jesus had spoken these words, he went forth with his disciples to the other side of the Kidron Valley, where there was a garden into which he entered with his disciples. Now Judas also, who was betraying him, knew of the place, for Jesus had often gathered there with his disciples. Judas then, having received the Roman cohort and officers from the chief priests and the Pharisees came there with lanterns and torches and weapons 
Jesus, knowing all things that were coming upon him, went forth and said to them, Whom do you seek? They answered him, Jesus the Nazarene. He said to them, I am he. And Judas also, was, who was betraying him, was standing with them. And when he said to them, I am he, they drew back and fell to the ground. Therefore he again asked them, Whom do you see? And they said, Jesus, the Nazarene. Jesus answered, I told you that I am he. So if you seek me, let these go their way. In order that the word which he had spoken would be fulfilled of these whom you gave whom you have given me, I have lost not one. Simon Peter then, having a sword, drew it and struck the high priest's slave and cut off his ear, right ear. And the slave's name was Malchus. And Jesus said to Peter, Put your sword into the sheath. The cup which the Father has given me, shall I not drink it? Now, he brings them here to the garden of Gethsemane. And John skips over a lot of things that happened there in the garden uh, because they've already been written. And you can see them in Matthew chapter, 20, Matthew chapter 26, Mark 14, Luke 22. And he left most of the disciples in one place, took Peter and James and John with him, went a little bit further, and began to pray. And he told them to pray that they may not enter into temptation. And he is deeply grieved at this point. He goes a little bit further away from, from those three. And he prays that if possible, this, this, this would be taken away from him. And yet, he submits himself to the Father's will. We also learn that an angel came and, and ministered to him as he was there. And, and, and that the, he was so stressed by this whole thing that, that he, was, he was sweating blood. But he returns then three times to the disciples and they've all fallen asleep. And finally, on the third time, the, the, the mob arrives. He tells us that Judas knew the place because they used to go there a lot. So, you see again here, Jesus is not doing anything differently. He has not changed his, uh, he's not changed anything or done anything to avoid this. He's walking right into it, knowing what he's doing. Jesus would have expected Jesus to look for him there, and, and, and so here he is. And the point of that is at any time during this whole thing, Jesus could have interrupted this process. He could have 
at any point said, no, we're not doing this. But he was completely submitted to the Father's will, and he submitted himself to the things that were to happen next. He is in control. As he said back in chapter 10, I have the authority to lay it down, talking about his life. I have the authority to pick it back up again. That's exactly what he'll do. So, combining these accounts of what John tells us and what the others tell us, it's not real apparent what order things happened in. Because we have from the others... You know, the story of Judas coming up to him and, and kissing him. But in this one, we have, he, he's, uh, he has walked out to meet them, and it's not clear whether this kiss happened before or after Jesus comes out and, and does this. Now, since Judas is apparently standing among the crowd at this point, uh, maybe this happened before the kiss, but it's hard to imagine except that Satan's in him at this point. It's hard to imagine him going and doing it after. But however it happened, Jesus knows whom they seek, and he knows what they mean to do. And so when when they respond to his query, whom do you seek? That they're looking for Jesus of Nazareth. He says, now, your translation probably says, I am he, as the one that I, I read from says. But that he is there, for our, uh, is there for our benefit, because that's the way we speak. But what he actually said there was, I am. And the power of his word literally knocked them, back to, the, knocked them to the ground. He said, I am. And they all fell over. And yet amazingly, they get back up and keep coming. I can only imagine that the, the, the powers of darkness were so thick. We know that Satan himself was in, was in Judas by this point. I, I have to imagine that the, the powers of the, the demon hordes were so thick there, urging everybody on, that even despite this obvious display of power, uh, he, they keep coming and they go ahead and do uh, what what they've come to do and arrest him. But Jesus then makes the call, uh, let these, you're looking for me, let these other people go. And I, you know, I guess that's the least they could do after that display, I don't know. But the reference that John is making there is back to Jesus' prayer in 1712. So even then, even though the, the things had not happened yet, in his prayer he says, I've lost no one because he can speak that way. Being God, he knows the end from the beginning. And even though this all hadn't happened yet, he's already called it the way it's going to be. So as we've said, we don't know when this we don't know when this kiss happened. John doesn't really talk about it, but I, it caused me to ask the question: Why? Why? Why did uh, Why did Jesus do this? Of course, it's a it's a uh, you know it's a mark of, of friendship. Uh, the and but he, it wasn't something that was strictly necessary for him to do. Those Roman soldiers would uh, have not known who he was, but certainly. 
the chief priests and the the, uh, the officers that they sent, they should have known who he was. This act seems to have been purely maliciously motivated uh, by Satan who was indwelling Judas at this point. But I'm really speculating beyond what's necessary for the uh, text here, so we'll move on. Uh, the interesting thing I find, too, is the way that Jesus, Jesus responds. We have two different responses in the two uh, gospel in the, the Gospels that report, report this. And in one case, he says, you really, you're going to betray the Son of Man with a kiss? In another case, it also records that he, he said, friend, do what you've come for. And I've always found that interesting that Jesus used the word friend there. Now, maybe that was just you know, the way you spoke to somebody, but when I read that, I think, you know what? That, again, speaks to who Jesus is. Jesus is our friend before we can be his. And even if we become his enemy, he has still been our friend. And if we would change our minds and repent, he's still willing to be our friend. But then we have Peter. And John is the only one who actually tells us who these people are. He's the only one that actually tells us that it was Peter that did this. Whips out his sword and cuts off the guy's ear. Jesus' response, and we have to go to a couple of other places to see what, what the, everything that Jesus said at this point. John just tells us, he said, you know, he, he said, put it back, put your sword back, and, and uh, you know, I've got, to do, I've got to go through with this. This is what the Father's told me to do, basically. But in Matthew... In chapter 26, uh, starting about 52, there's a broad, a uh, more complete account of what Jesus said. And he says, he said, put your sword back into its place. For all those who take up the sword shall perish by the sword. Or do you not think that I cannot appeal to my father? To my father, or do you think that I cannot appeal to my father, and he will not at once put at my disposal more than twelve legions of angels? Therefore, how would the scripture be fulfilled? Which say that it must be this way. Again, at any time during this process, Jesus could have said, That's enough. He is still almighty God. He is still all-powerful. He still has heaven at his disposal. But he has chosen to do the Father's will, to be arrested and to be mistreated and to die in our place. So John here sort of just gave us the Cliff Notes version. And the other thing that he doesn't tell us is that the other thing that Jesus does at this point is he healed the man's ear. Luke tells us 
uh, in chapter 22:51 that he uh, that he touched him and healed him. Or as my my uh, church friend used to say back when I was a kid, Jesus picked up the air and he put it back on. But then Jesus also rebukes the the religious leaders. John doesn't give us this, but uh, the other the others do. And uh, Luke, uh, I'll read from the one in Luke, but he says, "Have you come out with swords and clubs as against a robber?" While I was with you daily in the temple, you did not stretch out your hands against me. But this hour and the authority of darkness are yours. Now, these people had all come out to arrest Jesus. But most of them really didn't know, I don't think, who they were seeking. Well, they, they couldn't have. Everyone in everyone in his day was seeking someone. And the, the the soldiers who showed up that day were just probably looking to get rid of another Jewish troublemaker. Some of the leaders there thought that they were getting rid of a of a false messiah or or if 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 maybe just a threat a threat to their to their power. Others in his day were seeking that conquering hero that was going to come and kick the Romans out. And I don't know what Peter was thinking. Maybe he was thinking, okay, this is the this is the the, the moment of truth. Now is when we fight. Still others had found him. The true Messiah, the Son of God, the great I Am. But that question, in this context, it's a very narrow question. Jesus is, is uh, calling them out so that he can, in my opinion anyway, give them one more chance. He knows that they're not going to take it, or perhaps there were some in the crowd who did. We don't know. We're not told that. But in one more demonstration, he says, I am. Will you listen this time? So I believe that this act was an act of mercy. One more display. One more act. Are you going to listen? I am who I say I am. Maybe somebody did. We don't know. We're not told. But that question is a question through the ages. Whom do you seek? Do you seek the God in the mirror? Every false religion comes to this. In some way or other, they seek to make us God. Either through successive incarnations or, or through uh, just working your way up somehow. Everybody has their different, uh, different approach to it. But 
Atheism, of course, has nowhere else to go. Uh, if, if there's no God, that leaves us. We make pretty lousy gods. One doesn't need to look far to see how that's worked out. Or, are we seeking a God who's made in our own image? A God who wants what we want. A God who doesn't make too many demands. A God who doesn't mind a little sin so long as it's not too bad. Just, you know, don't kill anybody. You'll be alright. A God who exists to serve us. That's no God at all. Or are we seeking a substitute of a, 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 an imposter? Often kind of a knockoff of the real one. They may even give him a name. Some people actually worship Satan. Or he may be no more than an ideal. He may be a a way of life that uh, is supposed to to bring us to that to that that place that of happiness that we're all seeking or think we can find that we can only find through the the one true God. Anything really that supplants the one true God qualifies as a false god. Or are we seeking the I am, the God of all creation, the King of kings and the Lord of lords? The Lamb who takes away the sins of the world. The way, the truth, and the life. The Son of the Most High. And then the next question we have to ask is why? Now those who came to him that night wanted to destroy him. And they thought they succeeded. But he was about to prove them wrong. The world still wants to destroy him. Because they follow the God of this world, whether knowingly or not. They follow Satan. But Jesus, Jesus is the light that shines in the darkness. And the darkness can neither understand nor defeat it. Light by its very nature makes the darkness go away. And it exposes evil for what it is. They can't reach him, so they come for us. Others want to use him. Associating with him makes them feel good. Makes them feel as if uh, they've uh, they're doing right. And hanging around his followers, after all, his followers tend to be tend to be generous people. So it's uh, it, it's 
it's good to associate with people that are generous. You get stuff out of it. Some have been taught to expect that he will fulfill their every desire. Chris talked about that a little bit in Sunday school. That there's some truth in that, but only when our desires line up with his. And others are hoping that they'll earn their salvation through their good works. But we can never do that. We should be doing good works, but those good works come out of the faith, not the other way around. And some, and I hope all of us here today, are seeking Him because they love Him. We recognize that we need Him. That we need Him to save us from our sins, that we're not capable on our own. We recognize the price that He paid to, to save us. And we rejoice in the fact that He rose. We're going to celebrate it here next month. We serve Him because we love Him. And we eagerly await His appearing. Oh Lord, come soon. Now here... I think I've already said Jesus seems to have offered one last one last chance, one last appeal to those who are who are coming uh, to take him in. He knew that they wouldn't take it, and yet he demonstrates his power with just his name, his true name, I am. He expressed his divine identity. And they crucified him for it. But yet, he still answers, he still answers the question today. He says, I am. Come to me. He said in another place, come to me and I will give you rest. Do not be among those who make him their enemy. He desires to be your friend. He intentionally sacrificed himself to make that possible. And so, the invitation today, as always, around the room and around the world. Make Jesus your Lord. It only takes a decision of your heart, a recognition. You know what? I've sinned. I've sinned and I know I can't save myself. I know that you shed your blood on that cross and died for me. I believe that you rose from the grave and I want to serve you from now on. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for what you did for us. And Lord, I pray that all of us would earnestly and completely seek the great I am. That we would be a light to the world around us. In Jesus' name, amen.